1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to New Books in Sociology, a podcast channel of the New Books Network. I'm your host, Ritaparna Padkiri, and today I'm going to be in conversation with Catherine Davis. Catherine Davis is a senior lecturer in sociology at the University of Sheffield. Catherine's research focuses on the complexities of personal relationships, and she has conducted research investigating the ups and downs of friendship, the significance of sibling relationships, the lived realities of shared housing, and most recently, the effects of Brexit on everyday family life, funded by the British Academy and Economic and Social Research Council. Catherine's recent publications include the 2021 article, Sticking Together in Divided Britain, Talking Brexit in Everyday Family Relationships, published in the journal Sociology, and the 2023 monograph, Siblings in Sociology, published by the Manchester University Press. She lives in Manchester with her husband and two young boys. In today's conversation, we will be discussing her latest monograph, Siblings in Sociology, published by the Manchester University Press in 2023. Catherine, I welcome you to this conversation and look forward to engaging with you. Thank you for having me. Right. So let me begin by asking you about your main motivation behind writing this book.
0: Yes, thank you. Um. So... I think that siblings are really, really fascinating. Um, and when I started researching um, families and relationships in sociology, got my first job as a researcher, I started to realise that sociologists really weren't paying much attention to siblings. Um, and I couldn't really understand why, because to me, siblings kind of touch upon some of the most profound questions at the heart of the discipline so questions like you know the age-old nature versus nurture how can it be that siblings can grow up often in the same house often sharing the same parents but turn out to be different or questions about um what it means to resemble somebody like your sibling and and be compared to them so I was kind of puzzled about this absence and then of course um I I also have a sibling I have a younger sister um and I was thinking about my relationship with her I didn't have children at this point um and how our relationship had kind of evolved and changed throughout our lives and I thought oh that's really interesting as well um So all of these things kind of made me wonder why sociologists hadn't paid siblings more mind. Um, Even though I think that in popular culture, um, people are very interested. Siblings are featured in a lot of fiction. Um, Famous celebrity siblings get a lot of coverage in the media. Um, So yes, so because of that, I thought I'm going to start doing some research about this. And I incorporated siblings into a portion of my PhD research project and then
1: kind of went from there, really. Thank you for that wonderful response. Uh, I would also uh, request you to talk a little bit more about the social and cultural context in which this book is located. Yeah,
0: OK, that's that's a really important question. Thank you. Um, so the book draws upon two data sets, which I think we might be talking about in a bit more detail a little bit later in the interview. Um, and both of those data sets are qualitative data sets based on participants um, who are living in the UK. Um, so the context for the kind of empirical sections of the book are very much based in the UK and I'm a sociologist in the UK as well and I think that probably a lot of the theories and concepts that have influenced me have been from a kind of movement in UK sociology of the family towards thinking more culturally in terms of our kind of personal lives and our emotions and what it feels like to be related. So I was very influenced by those sorts of works that, um, that were part of the kind of sociology that I'd been doing. But what I have tried to do in the book is move Beyond that, a little bit, and also try and draw upon examples from other parts of the world. Um, try where possible to focus a little bit on kind of difference and diversity in terms of culture and religion. Um, I think a little bit, for example, about um, the one child policy in China. Um, I draw on some literature about families in Pakistan. But that's an area where I think more work needs to be done and where it would be wonderful um, to be able to draw on a much wider range of literature and something that I'm certainly keen to continue to try to do and to try to do better.
1: (laughs) Right. So you talked about your data set, which is qualitative in nature. So could you talk a little bit about the main methods that you have used and, you know, your data as well?
0: Yeah. Um, So the book isn't um, just a kind of book of a study it's not one of those sociology books that writes up a study and talks about the main key findings it draws upon two data sets and um, that are quite different um, and also kind of draws upon other literatures and um, theories as well um, and the two data sets that I use are um, one is a set of qualitative interviews and focus groups with young people. Um, and this was part of my PhD research. Um, and that, was, that had been a wider project, um, exploring kind of young people's experiences of growing up in the UK. And I'd asked about siblings as part of that. So I drew upon some of that data really quite exciting data especially the focus groups um i asked young people to reflect upon what it means to be a sibling and i i showed them a clip from a really popular cartoon um called the simpsons i don't know whether you've come across it um I know that it's um, played in a lot of different countries um where there were two siblings um who are kind of the main characters who are very different so I showed them a clip of that and got them to discuss these two siblings so that was really interesting to hear young people speaking about their own siblings and the influence they'd had on their lives and a little bit more kind of generally about what Siblingship is and how it works. Um, And then I also drew upon a completely different um, qualitative data source, which was um, a mass observation directive. So Mass Observation is like an archive in the UK um, where there are a pool of um, participants who write for the archive and the archive poses um, a set of kind of topics for them to write about in their own way um, and then these are archived. And I had been fortunate enough to have the opportunity to commission one of these um, topics about sibling relationships and people wrote in about sibling relationships for the archive. Um, And I analysed those written responses as well and included them in the book. And that was really helpful um, because these respondents who write for the archive, um, well, they're adults for a start, but they also tend to be older adults. So that enabled me to think more about time and to think about sibling relationships through the life course, not just in childhood. Um, So yes, so throughout the book, I draw upon both those data sets um, to try and kind of make this argument that sociologists ought to be more interested by siblings
1: really right so uh, now going into the content of the book uh, how do you okay. think siblingship uh, evolves as a relationship from you know childhood to adulthood
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, So obviously, um, everybody's sibling relationship is different. And there are all sorts of different ways that people might experience siblingship. So um, when I talk about sibling relationships, I'm including half-siblings, step-siblings, even people who might seem to be like siblings, but you're not necessarily related to by blood or marriage as well. So I've got quite a broad definition, and that's important, I think, to bear in mind. Um, But I think generally speaking sibling relationships in childhood are more often characterized by um, children who who share the same home, at least for portions of the week. Obviously, not always the case, but often. Um, And that can mean that sibling relationships in childhood are quite intense sometimes. They're often very embodied and sensorial. um, So they can involve a lot of touching a lot of noise smells sounds things mess <laughs> fighting and bickering um can be a uh, characteristic of many people's um childhood sibling relationships and um it's kind of interesting that sibling relationships are one of the few where in childhood where it's almost expected that there'll be some physical fighting sometimes um And then, of course, through the life course, um, when we get older, we maybe don't have such physical proximity with our siblings. And we don't have that in kind of intense sharing of space. Obviously, not everybody. Some people do. um, But generally speaking, But then I think what can happen through the life course or certainly what um, I argue in my book is that it's not just kind of um, a steady move in the direction of kind of more adult relationships, sibling relationships can kind of ebb and flow through the life course. So there might be times when we're in touch a lot, when we feel closer, times when we drift apart. Um, There might be kind of key crunch points or pinch points in the life course where sibling relationships become more intense. So typically, this can be um, when our parents get ill, old and die. Um, and on the death of parents, a lot of people came back together with their siblings to kind of deal with that, with the logistics of it. And in doing so <laughs> there's this kind of sense that often your sibling might be the only person who really kind of knew your parents in the same way as you, or who kind of shared those childhood experiences. So there can be a really kind of intensification of that feeling of shared biography and shared knowledge at those times in the life course. And there were also times when siblings in my study, you know, had needed one another when going through things like divorce and becoming a parent and losing your job, illness and um, sibling relationships had often intensified at those times or in other cases, maybe there'd been arguments as well. Um, So although nobody's sibling relationship is the same and they're always really different I think there can be a sense that a lot of children's relationships are uh, kind of characterized by a particular embodied sort of feeling of intense close proximity and then adult relationships I think ebb and flow according to
1: different moments and times in the life course all right so, do you think that siblings experience wider socio-economic events differently?
0: Yeah, um, I do, and I think this is really interesting, and I think this is something again that I try and pick up upon in the book. <laughs> Um, I think that we can often assume, especially when siblings are close in age, um, so obviously not all siblings are close in age, there can sometimes be like a really big age gap, and that age gap can mean that siblings aren't necessarily always part of the same sort of generation, um, socially speaking, in terms of the kind of societal level thinking of generation. But... Um, but even when siblings might be very close in age, there might just be one or two years, for example, between them, um, sometimes events can happen in the world that will affect them quite differently. And we mustn't assume that because siblings grow up close in age and in a similar sort of environment in terms of maybe um, their par- having the same parents or the same um, parental home, um large-scale macro events like um so in the uk for example um there was a huge increase in tuition fees at university and that will have affected children who might just have one year's age gap might just suddenly face really different financial futures if they want to go to university um siblings might uh, face different sort of housing situations you know um, economic crashes um can affect some siblings more than others depending on like whether they'd bought a house at a certain time those kinds of things so even though their parents might have had really similar um i've, I've given them really similar kind of financial support they might end up financially in a very different sort of circumstance um, and then on a more kind of micro level, um, the, the circumstances and context of the home can change as well. So um, you might have um, siblings with just a few years between them, but their parents might have got divorced or somebody might have died or they might have lost their job and they might end up facing quite different sorts of economic circumstances so I just wanted to kind of trouble the assumption that siblings will usually share the same kind of socio-economic environment because they don't always um, and it can be quite difficult for families to deal with it when um, that there might be children in the family who um, actually have very different socioeconomic circumstances surrounding them
1: right and what role does you know the siblingship relationship play in constructing a person's personhood yeah. So I think that um,
0: sibling relationships can actually have a really powerful role to play in constructing um, people's personhood. Um, in the book, I kind of um, take an approach to understanding relationships um, that's very influenced by the idea that um, our relationships are kind of felt as quite sticky. Um Carol Smart originally wrote about this concept in her book, Personal Life. Um, And so the idea that our relationships can affect us and kind of stick to us, even if they're not always positive. Um, So that was something that was very much kind of at the heart of the way I theorised relationships in the book. Um, And that definitely comes to light with sibling relationships. So it's a relationship that can kind of profoundly affect you, even if that effect might be in an oppositional one <laughs> um, but I think more than that there are things that are very specific about siblings um, that can make them be even more influential in terms of how you kind of turn out in terms of what sort of person you are and what sort of person you think you are um, and those are things like you often compare to your sibling um, by other members of the family, your parents, also by um, people at school um, and in the wider community. So you often end up having a kind of sense of self that's constructed in relation to how you might be similar or different from your siblings. Um So you often hear about who's the funny one, the clever one, the naughty one, and you very rarely have like a clever two um, in a group of siblings. Um, So that happens a lot. And then I also think there are kind of underlying sort of normative assumptions about siblings and how they might turn out in terms of... um, whether you're likely to be a similar sort of person because your share maybe genetic um, and environmental um uh, You you might share the similar um, environmental context and and shared genes as well. Um, And that can kind of open up a whole load of ideas about how those sorts of things affect how we turn out as a person. So we have like some ideas about how our siblings ought to be similar or different to us that can be quite difficult to kind of shake off or move on from. So I think there are things in particular about siblings that make... Um, they're more comparable and we're often compared to them more than other relationships um, and that can affect um, our sense of personhood a lot I think.
1: Right and just to ask you you know how has uh, siblingship been portrayed in popular culture and media? Mm. Yeah, so this
0: is an interesting one. Um, I I think that um, there's a bit of a kind of cultural fascination with siblings, really. Um, We see siblings appearing a lot in fiction um, from the kind of classic novels like um, Jane Austen's novels, um, things like um, Sense and Sensibility, where there's... um, two siblings and one of them's the sensible one and one of them kind of follows her heart and you know those sorts of um novels where siblings are often and the differences between siblings are often a key kind of um trope through which authors might create an interesting narrative about these kinds of opposite different siblings um in the media, we also see a kind of fascination with, I think, like the emotions of siblings. So siblinghood is often portrayed as a relationship that's particularly imbued with emotions um, such as jealousy, um, rivalry, as well as love and um, that sort of thing. So at the moment in the UK, there's a lot of media attention on um the two princes, Prince William and Prince Harry, who seem to be having a bit of a kind of quite public um, falling out. Um, And the media were really, really fascinated by this idea of kind of fraternal jealousy and rivalry between brothers. Um, And we've seen that with other examples as well. So I think that siblings are often quite fascinating. that They often can become quite a useful device for creating an interesting story. Um, And there's a bit of a kind of, I think, preoccupation with the differences between siblings and also with that as a relationship that is imbued
1: with particularly strong and intense emotions. Uh, Do you think that siblingship has been, you know, at the periphery of sociological research? Because we did talk about it a little bit. And how do you think your book changes that?
0: Hmm. Yeah, Um, I do think that siblings have been on the periphery of sociological research. And, and in some ways, it's a little bit baffling as to why. I mean, I'm not saying there are no studies, there are some studies, and I do have, I do discuss those in the book. Um, But then sibling relationships aren't central to like sociological theorizing. um, And, I, I don't on the one hand I think that's baffling because the siblings are one of our most long lasting relationships often um they they're important they because we're um, often a similar generation to our siblings we might be influenced by them in in other ways so some of our kind of key sociological ideas about um things like social reproduction about the self um about life course and educational decision-making and those sorts of topics, um, you would think that siblings would have more of a look in. Um, My take on why that absence is, um, is that sociology as a discipline is very much rooted in that really important idea Um, of kind of trying to demonstrate how things are socially produced, how it's not natural for there to be inequality in society, for example, that's something that's socially produced. Um, And in order to show that, sociologists have had to really focus on how your parents influence how you turn out in life, how your parents might influence the advantages or disadvantages you have um, compared to other people in society and that's kind of how you can show inequality in a way how that sort of gets passed along and I think in doing that the sociological gaze has kind of focused vertically on how you get things from the generation above and how things are passed down that way rather than looking horizontally um, for forms of social influence. And I think that that's that's why I wrote the book. I wanted to not just show some really interesting empirical data about how siblings affect our lives, which the book does do that as well, but I wanted to kind of go further than that and also kind of push... Sociological theorising and thinking um, to do this kind of horizontal looking as well, um, to take account of the importance of siblings. Um, And I think by looking at siblings, you can start to ask different questions about some of those key sociological themes as well. So I think that by looking horizontally at the influence of siblings, we can start to think about things like. socialization um the life course um relationships in in new ways and ask different questions about them right
1: so uh, you structured the book very uh, beautifully around four key themes self relationality imagination and time so uh, i wanted to ask you the logic behind the structure
0: yeah. Um, so I chose these four themes because they are kind of all central tenets of sociological thinking. They're kind of very much at the heart of how sociologists conceptualise the world. Um, and, and I wanted to see what happened when we started to add siblings more profoundly to those ways of thinking about the world. Um, So how, for example, looking at siblings can help us think differently about um, how the self is produced, Um, how looking at siblings can help us to understand those kinds of um, ambivalent relationships um, and think about relationality a little bit differently. Um, Imagination, I I wanted... um, to think about how siblings are are kind of occupy this space where um they are kind of they have quite powerful norms and as we said like quite a lot of media attention and a bit of a public fascination around them yet they're not scripted in the same way that parent-child relationships are like the you know there's more diversity in how you might do your sibling relationship and there are less kind of um clear caring roles attached to them and then time in terms of disrupting our ideas about generation age the life course so I chose those four topics because I thought that they were all four kind of concepts that are really central to sociological thinking where I think siblings can disrupt some of our thinking um there were other topics that I could have chosen um and these kind of they're they're still there in the book but they um run through all of the themes um so for example um geography and place um runs through all of the themes um emotions could have been its own chapter but instead it kind of runs through everything and and the same with power um and diversity runs through as well so I could have chosen a slightly different four um but for me those four themes were areas of kind of key tenets of sociological thought where siblings could really kind of help us to think in new ways I thought
1: interesting uh, just a follow up question uh, how does siblingship affect the sense of the self and you know the relationships with other social institutions
0: yeah um so we've touched upon how kind of siblings are really important to our sense of personhood um and some of those same ways that sibling affects personhood so for example being compared a lot to our siblings um also follows us um, in different social institutions so I think outside of the family um, so I think that um, education would be a real kind of key way that being a sibling and having siblings can really affect how you interact and how you experience the institution of education. Um, so, that might be that you end up in the same educational institution as your sibling and you get compared by teachers and pupils. It might be that even if you don't end up in the same school at the same time as your sibling, you might end up using your siblings' experiences that you might have witnessed um, in order to kind of inform the way you interact with that institution. So there were lots of young people in my study who um, talked about having learned from an older sibling to make sure they worked harder or not get into trouble or something. So kind of learning from the mistakes of your sibling um, there are other institutions as well so um um looking at kind of the more wider sort of community um, and the way that being a sibling affects how we interact there it that wasn't such a key feature of my book but i draw upon other sociologists who've looked at that um sort of way of being in your neighborhood um And then, of course, the family is a kind of key social institution, which has siblings at its heart, even though a lot of family sociology hasn't looked specifically at siblings.
1: Right. So what does it mean to live with this idea of siblings? Yeah. So
0: in the book, I make this argument that we live with our siblings, and we also live with the idea of siblings. And by that I mean that there are strong kind of normative ideas and assumptions about what being a sibling or having a sibling means. Um, And I guess we would expect this to be the case because there is a lot of um, fictional media and um, news media that that focuses on siblings. Um, so, so there are kind of quite strong normative tropes around siblings, like how they might be a sensible one and a silly one, like in Jane Austen's book. Um, but also there are ideas about how um, things get passed on in families, how things might... Um, the siblings might resemble one, one another or not, or how nature versus nurture might play out in a family with the siblings. And all of those are kind of ideas about siblings that I think we live with, even if they don't really reflect the reality of our sibling relationships. And some very uh, particularly strong ways that this happens is around gender and age gap. Um So if we take gender, there were assumptions and young people particularly talked about this um, in the study that I used for the book um, about how maybe there are certain expectations that if you have a brother, they might be more protective or um, if you have a sister, um, then you might be able to be best friends together. Um, And most of the children who talked in that way, admitted that their own relationships with their brother or their sister weren't like that at all. Um, But they still had this idea that that they imagined it would be really lovely. So a lot of children imagined a particular sibling relationship that they didn't have. So they might, for example... Imagine having older siblings if they're the eldest in their family or if they're an only child, kind of yearning for this idea of a sibling that you never had. Or if you've got a sister, imagining what it would be like to have a brother. Um, So those are these sorts of these powerful imagined relationships that we live by To um sociologist well social historian John Gillis said that we have two families Mm. the one that we live with um and the one that we live by and the one that we live by is the kind of idealized version of what a family ought to be and I think that that can occur quite strongly with sibling relationships in terms of this kind of yearning maybe or imagining um the sibling that you never had
1: Hmm. well Last question, Uh, please also talk a little bit about how the book contributes to the fields of sociology of kinship as well as sociology of childhood and what could be the scope of future research in this area?
0: Mm. Um, So I think it contributes to sociologies of kinship and childhood um, in a number of ways, like um, the most basic contribution is that... um, it starts to develop what is quite a small field. So the kind of the sociology of sibling relationships within childhood sociology or kinship, family sociology is really underdeveloped and there aren't loads of studies. And the book kind of adds um a sort of text that can start to grow this area a little bit more um but I think it does more than that I think that um it well I hope it does more than that I hope that it helps um the sociology of childhood for example to think about um the ambivalent embodied importance of relationships um it helps as well to kind of move on from just thinking about siblings as only something that happens to children um and to think about um siblings through the life course as well so to kind of extend and stretch um how we think about siblings sociologically um in terms of kinship i think it um kind of helps to develop work that speaks to the importance of our relationships for our sense of self and the really develops ideas around how our relationships shift and evolve over time, how we have imagined relationships and the power of that kind of normative understanding of relationships that we live with as well um, as the ups and downs of um, our kind of day to day relational lives. And I think it contributes to other sociologies too. I think it contributes to the sociology of self and identity. Um, I think it contributes to understandings of the life course and of kind of normativity and imagination and how that works. Um, And also I think the sociology of emotions. I think emotions are very much present in the book because siblings are um, often... Experienced in a very emotional way, um, even if that main emotion emotion might be like irritation. Um, so I think that it contributes beyond. I hope it contributes to sociologies beyond the family as well.
1: Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for engaging with me on your new monograph. And as I have read it, I can say it's an absolutely fascinating read for all sociologists and I hope that they, you know, take to it. Thank you once again for doing this for NBN. Thank you so much for having me and for your
0: brilliant questions.